0: This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, May 14th, 2022. Dornall, how was your week?
1: Hey, hey. Uh, I'm pumped. Uh, I got lots of cool stuff to talk about. Uh, biggest thing on my mind uh, right now uh I had, I've had a great week. Uh, it's my birthday this week. And uh, the people close to me have made it special. So uh, I've had a great week. Um, last week, though, we missed the show. I was busy up in Seattle. You want to hear about that?
0: Yes, because we Actually, talk about that every year.
1: I uh, went to the... Uh, Bone Bat Comedy Horror Film Fest up in Seattle. Uh, after the lockdowns last year, they didn't have it, and the year before, if you recall, they did uh, online only. It was a virtual, uh, virtual show in 2020. They are back. Uh, Seattle is mostly not locked down, and so we all got together at the Uptown Cinema. And watched a bunch of hilariously stupid uh, comedy horror shorts. Uh, let me see if I can get uh, a page up for those of you guys watching live with a little bit more detail. But uh, for those who don't know, it's a film fest uh, put on by uh, my buddy Steve and Gord from the Bone Bat podcast. They do a horror film festival called the comedy horror film festival every year and it's a ton of fun because it's not just a bunch of movies they get they wait through like 45 hours of submissions and uh, bring the best funniest silliest goriest horror uh, that they can get from around the world and they post they play it all, it's 11 hours in the theater, and uh, it's a hoot. They also have, and this is the icing on top, this is what makes it live music in between uh, blocks. They'll do a block of shows and then boom, live music from a band from San Francisco, uh, the Hollins and Hollins Mortuary Company uh, where they do, uh, they do bluegrass, they do swing, they do whatever, and it's all like fun horror-themed um, stuff. I-, I had a blast. I went up with uh, with my brother and uh, my girlfriend. We all had such a great time. Uh, I highly recommend it, and it's it's good to be back. You know, after the past few years, it's just good to be back. I didn't submit anything this week or this time, though. Uh, Speaking of being back, Danny Warpig, when was the last time you saw or heard or read about a movie that made you actually want to go back to the cinema? Can you remember the last time you went back? I don't know. I think the last one I saw was Tenet in 2020. i Yeah, you're talking at the mute again.
0: <laughs> I keep on saying things, and you weren't responding. And I'm like, <laughs> that's a little strange. He He's acting like he can't even hear me. <laughs> <laughs> and I look down at the bottom of my screen, and I see mute, and I'm like, oh, he can't even hear me. Uh, I guess I. Hopefully, that's the technical difficulty for today.
1: <laughs> that's it. Got it out of the way.
0: We were doing so well. We started bang on at noon. That was.
1: So take man. us back in time, DW. What was your comment? Did you have a comment on the Bone Bat Film Festival?
0: Yeah, I was going to ask. What was the standout this year? What did What would What did you like the best?
1: Wow, there was a short called Last Maid Standing, and it was a uh, this great setup where it's a bridal shower and all the bridesmaids are, they're, they hate each other to one degree or another, or they don't care about each other. Long story short, it turns into a bloodbath it's hilarious it's fun to watch um and uh that was my that was the most memorable one of the day for me cool yeah i
0: sorry that reminds me of something else on Twitter and then something something else and I'm like I don't want to talk about either either of those things so let's go on to what you were saying about movies.
1: <laughs> so uh, I was asking you hey when was the last time I mean cinemas have been open in most places for a long time but when was the last time you actually saw something that you said oh I might actually go see that can you remember? Yes
0: uh I I am thinking about going and seeing Doctor Strange in the theaters uh Maybe to review a little bit for next week. Uh, Although next week we have a guest coming on. um, Rick Stump. uh, The GM has been on the show before and has just published another new book. Um, But also, and this is not a lie. I've actually had to check out the Times at the local movie theater to see if I can do Doctor Strange and this movie. Uh, on the same day, I wanted to go see, because people keep on telling me how good it is, uh, The Northman.
1: Well, that would be it. Uh, I went and saw that last week. And would you like to know more? How much can I spoil for you?
0: I, I would prefer you not spoil a, a, a lot.
1: We'll do a little spoiler, just a little bit. Uh, This isn't much of a spoiler. So uh, I went and saw the Northmen, so here's my quick review. It's a Viking epic revenge story about a young prince named Almeth. And if you've never heard of that, which I hadn't, it's a retelling of an old Norse legend that forms the or that was the inspiration for uh, Shakespeare's Hamlet. Uh, So it's a tale of nobles and, uh, you know, fratricide and revenge. Uh, It's done by Robert Eggers, who has done a couple of other films before that I haven't seen, The Witch. And there was another one that I'm blanking on right now. And supposedly, if you've seen those, you sort you you should know what you're going to get into. I haven't, I, so I saw the
0: witch. I think I did a review of it on the show.
1: Well, that's that's the power of my memory for you. So or
0: the vavitch, if uh, you know. <laughs>
1: I didn't, I hadn't seen the witch or anything like that. So I will tell you the biggest surprise was even though it was a violent Viking Epic, it's also kind of an art film. Yeah. Uh, which I, which I wasn't expecting. Uh, I, I didn't have that, that prior experience or knowledge. So whoops, uh, but which go ahead. He makes,
0: uh, or at least the witch, uh, it was an art film, but it wasn't like artsy fartsy. Like he's not all up his own rear with it. Uh, he's not making an art film just to please himself. He makes an art film uh, that is directed at the audience. If that makes sense.
1: In the context of the Northmen, it does. Uh, let me explain. First of all, because of the artsiness, if you're not expecting it, this isn't a good date movie film. Uh, I wanted, uh, you know, rah, rah, shock, awe, uh, Viking blood and guts and everything, and there's a lot more than it. The Lighthouse, thank you, Autous Whisper. Uh, Lighthouse is now on my list to watch. What's good about it is that it does have that those sort of art film pretensions. There's a lot in there about the mysticism, you know, the the Viking beliefs. Um, it's in fact, between that and the you can see the title shot of Alexander Skarsgard wearing the wolf's head, right? there's there's a little bit about the Berserker. Culture, You know, the Vikings who go into a frothing rage and kill, rape, and pillage, etc. Very Native American in its look and feel. Um, Absolute savages. But there's no, there's no pretentiousness to it. I'll I'll say that's indulgent, but it's not pretentious. uh, Because... And this is the strength of of the movie. It's a strength of the movie. And and credit where credit's due. I think um, Brian Niemeyer's review put it the best is that it's honest. The, the movie doesn't make a judgment in the way it's shot and acted and filmed and everything. It doesn't make a judgment on any of these people or what they're doing or what's happening. It's not a documentary. It's very much a, a artsy dramatic film, but it's just showing you what happens, and that makes it that makes the artsy stuff, um, depending on your point of view, it makes it palatable or interesting. Um, and I'm and I am I'm. If I sound vague, it's because I'm trying to avoid the spoilers. Uh, there's lots, you know, there's like a sweat lodge and, and, and visions and like, there's all, it's all about like what your fate is, you know, what you know, what the fates have decided and trying to change your fate, uh, if you can. Which,
0: um, but which it, is a very Norse thing that was, you know, like critical to their culture. It was the center of
1: everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like that, you know, the, you know, the world will fall, the, Fenris will eat the moon so on and so forth like you can't avoid those uh so great that's all well and good um the there is a downside though in that uh and and here's here's where the movie falls down Uh, it increases the running time for not a lot of narrative benefit uh, i would say um i felt and uh I felt that there is a lot of time spent on that stuff that didn't really matter, or it, it didn't have a big impact on the story. Even right, And if you think, if you think only in terms of the events of the story, none of the stuff that happened, or half the stuff that happens, doesn't matter. Some of the characters don't even matter. Um, like the same stuff would have happened if none of those characters were there, none of those events happened. Uh, so that, I think that's a, that's an indictment of the story itself, right? Like it feels a bit padded, but um, once I got over the sort of shock and weirdness of it, I I did quite enjoy, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm not going to say it was a great movie, but it was uh, good unless you hate that stuff or if you don't know what you're getting into, like I, I could have hated it. Uh, Because I didn't know what I was getting into, and I was kind of perturbed at the beginning by the weirdness. Uh, So that's it. I don't want to say any more for lack of spoilers. Oh, um, great cast with one glaring exception. Um, uh, I think Nicole Kidman's way out of place um, as a Viking queen, but anyway, that's it. Like that's a minor. That's a minor complaint, in my opinion. Uh, I'm, so I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there, DW. Ask whatever you want.
0: Well, the thing is, it, all the things you've described to me uh, are absolutely... Um, I don't know that I would expect to, uh, have expected them. I wouldn't have guessed that. But having seen The Witch, they're all in line with the style he uh, um, evinced in The Witch. I mean, I watched The Witch and everything you said, it's like, oh yeah, I can see that. If I changed The Witch to be about Vikings, it would be exactly the same. So mm-hmm. it does not surprise me in the least. Uh, and all of the things you described worked well in The in *The Witch. Um, it's got that same, you know, He's not judging things; he just is presenting the events as they happen um he uh he's not Christian, but uh the characters uh the father and the family who are at the center of uh events in the witch are and uh he gives them uh he pre- he presents their faith honestly. They are not, um, you know, they're not presented as kooks. They're not presented as uh, weird, judgmental people. He gives them honest faith, and it just is part of who they are. It's part of their culture they've grown up with. It's it permeates their their their, you know personalities, it permeates their worldview, and that's who they are. Um, The dialogue is, uh, and they went to great lengths when they were writing the movie, to actually go back into letters and books and things like that, and use lines from different books and letters, so that it would not just sound like actual dialogue from the period, but be you know, lines from the period that they uh, repurposed when they needed things. Uh, so it was very, very convincing. Um, and then the events dealing with various things that happen in the movie are events that were attested to uh, in the period. So it is very much of its. Of the time that it depicts, um, which is, you know, colonial American times, um, he went to such great lengths to make it as authentic and honest as possible without, uh, you know, without sneering at the people for being primitives, uh, without trying to, uh, past judgment as a modern person or whatever. He's just honestly depicting uh, without sentimentality who they were. Um, So all the things you've said about Northman, it's like, wow, he went and did that exact same thing with, uh, with Vikings. So yeah, that's, I didn't predict that, but that's uh, entirely unsurprising. But that, and I mean that in a good way um that makes it sound like a movie I definitely have to go see.
1: Yeah, uh I I give it a I give it a recommend a, a weak recommend and and Neil Durando in the chats give me crap for you know equivocating good if you like that stuff blah blah blah. Yeah, the 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 fact of the matter is um, part of my reaction was the fact that I I wasn't expecting what I got. Um what I got was a good film. It's uh it's not a great film. It's flawed, but you will enjoy it. You'll definitely enjoy it, W. Um, So, uh,
0: oh, we're doing good. Okay. I want to do two quick reviews because uh, I I am absolutely certain the uh, other discussion is going to take a while. Um, (laughs) This last week, I saw the Batman um, the new Batman movie with Robert Pattinson, and I also saw a movie called Infinity, which, uh, has Mark Wahlberg in it, which probably nobody remembers, uh, because it hits theaters and disappeared so fast, um, so let's do the Batman, um, it's a superhero movie, and uh he goes up against it's not really a Batman movie. I mean they've got a guy called The Batman in it, and they've got the Bat signal and a Batmobile and you know Alfred and stuff, but it could have been any generic costume vigilante. it didn't have to be the Batman. There's nothing uniquely Batman-ish about it, really. Um, And the Riddler really isn't the Riddler. It's uh, John Doe from Seven. Um, Who's the main bad guy?
1: It's in the box.
0: Yeah. Um, So really, it could have been, like, I don't know, maybe Jack Reacher who is the main hero instead of the Batman, or any other hero of a thriller novel who's facing off against a serial killer. That's what this really is. It's a serial killer novel uh, brought to the screen. Um, uh, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying it's not really a superhero movie. It's a serial killer movie. Now, for people who are sick of superhero movies, maybe that's uh, a positive for them. Maybe they're like, oh, yeah, I want to go see it if it's not really a superhero movie. Um, And uh, it's, uh, yeah, if you think of seven, that'll pretty much put you right. That'll set your expectations at the right level kind of going into it um except seven kept you in the dark about the killer the whole movie until the very end and even then you didn't know much about him this movie focuses on the Riddler so even though you don't necessarily learn a lot about him um you're not kept in the dark about him as much as you are about John Doe um Minus the gore, I hope. It's not quite as gory. No. Uh, the acts are shocking, but there's not as much blood. Mm-hmm. If you get what I'm saying.
1: I think I get it. Uh,
0: No sex, of course. None of the sexual stuff. And no um, sex
1: is allowed in superhero movies.
0: Yes. Um, there is... uh. Also, he posts videos of stuff on social media. And uh, he's got a bunch of followers who all dress up like him at one point and go do things uh, in concert with his nefarious fans. So, I mean, I guess that's a callback to various internet-y things. Um, So it... It's kind of like John Doe updated for 2021. Um, Take it for what it is. Um, And his plan is actually appropriately, epically upsized for a comic book movie. So it's not just seven individual killings. It gets uh, bumped up. To be more ambitious in line with the comic book movie. Mm. But yeah. Um, Colin Farrell is in the movie. He is completely unrecognizable as the penguin. I couldn't guess it was the him as the penguin. Um, he does a just a fabulous job in a small role. Um Robert Pattinson does a – I don't want to say great because it's Robert Pattinson, but he actually does a really good job as the Batman.
1: Uh, How so?
0: He just carries off the role that they gave him. I don't like the way they wrote the Batman, but with the material they gave him, he does a good job with it. Um. Once again, this is basically Frank Miller's Batman Year One. They keep on recycling that book over and over. Uh, Batman Begins by, um, and this is going to be important because the next movie, we're going to come back to him too.
1: Christopher The director
0: of, yeah, Nolan. Uh, Batman Begins by Christopher Nolan uh, was basically in large part borrowed from Batman Year One by Frank Miller. Um, and so this movie was, uh, uh, based on a large part on Batman year one, Two. Um, except they made Bruce, instead of having this successful life, uh, masquerading as a playboy and having, you know a skilled uh being a skilled businessman with Wayne Enterprises he's basically just this weird this weirdo obsessed introvert who is running the business into the ground and uh has this emo haircut and is you know He's not Batman. That's why I say this isn't a Batman movie, because Robert Pattinson's character isn't Batman. They've, they've taken like, I don't know, 70% of Batman and thrown him away. And the other 30% isn't quite Batman either. So mm-hmm. the parts that are Batman-esque aren't really Batman. Whatever. People really, really liked the movie, and it's an enjoyable movie if you just realize that it's not a Batman movie. it's just a movie that they put Batman's name on and have some costumes and and gear that looks like Batman stuff. A lot of that going around. Yes, and it's not done it in a, in a worse way. They don't violate Batman's character. This movie doesn't, you know, take a dump on Batman. It's just not a Batman movie. Um, not to spoil my review of of Halo, um, but Halo takes a dump on Master Chief. It defiles the character. This movie doesn't defile Batman. It just, its caped crusader is at best, you know, uh, an Elseworlds version of Batman. So, um, it's an enjoyable movie if you like, um, if you like slasher flicks and you're looking to, uh, and you're willing to say, okay, this isn't the Batman I'm used to seeing, it's not really Batman at all, so I'm cool with that, then it's actually a really enjoyable movie, uh, the one thing they did get about Batman right is that he is in this movie a detective, and he's chasing down leads and actually doing detective work, and I like that a lot. Because Batman too often is not shown as being the world's greatest detective, and in this movie he is quite a detective, and he does have some cool gadgets, and that's also an important hallmark of Batman. I'm not trying to say this is a bad movie, because uh, it's not a bad movie. It's just not a Batman movie. Gotcha. Um, and so on that level, it, it, it falls short of my expectations. So it is a good movie. It is an enjoyable movie. It's a serial killer movie. And you just want to go in with those expectations managed. You are not even going to get something that was as gritty as the Christopher Nolan movies. It is grittier than that. Uh, darker, uh, more disturbing. Um, but yeah, it, it's... The detective work is interesting, the kills are interesting, and um, they had some eye-rolling moments, but uh, the Riddler has interesting riddles, and uh, and Batman is uh, the character that they're calling the Batman, is an interesting character, just not the Batman.
1: Got it. I think question. that answers all my questions.
0: <laughs> uh, Picard ended this week. I watched it. It was... It uh, ended badly. It was not all the way, always bad in the middle, but mostly bad. And uh, the beginning was not good. That's my review of Picard.
1: But you knew better. You knew it was going to be bad.
0: Yeah. I wasn't fooling myself going into it. I'm watching Halo. The last episode of Halo is coming out on Thursday, so, you know, yay. I started watching Brave New Worlds. Um, I saw the first episode. The second episode came out on Thursday, so I haven't watched it yet. But I'll be watching that, so I'll give you a review of it. Um, You can probably guess what my review is going to be. But I'm watching it so I can give an honest review. Um, I saw Infinity with Mark Wahlberg. It's basically a poor man's tenet or a poor man's inception. It's kind of that high concept movie. The concept is there are people who there's about 200 to 500 people who live multiple lives and remember everything they've learned and uh, everything that happened in those multiple lives. So they are reincarnated when they die. Um, and it's interesting as a concept. They have interesting characters. Um, but And this is something I wrote about like, and talked about on the show six years ago. And I haven't mentioned it since then, but this is ironclad advice I give to every writer. Exploit your premise. Whatever your premise is, you need to exploit the hell out of it. Christopher Nolan always exploits the premise of his movies. Whatever it is, he thinks through all the permutations of it. And sticks it up on the screen. Um, As long as it, you know, makes the story work. Uh, You want to think through the permutations of how this works. How this concept works. And interesting things people can do with it. So here's one they could have done with it. A character... In one life, makes good friends with a mortal who is going to die. Good friends with his family. And says, someday, someone else is going to come to you and say these certain words. And I want you to give them this particular package. And then... If they don't come in your lifetime, give it to your child and tell them the same thing. And keep it for as long as until it happens. And then give them enough money to make their family rich. That is one way. To exploit the premise of people who reincarnate in different bodies whenever they die. Because that's how they can go back and get a piece of property. Like a a sword that they love. Or some information that they need to keep secret but will want later. Or, you know, whatever. That's one way to exploit the premise. And other than a couple of different things, the movie degenerates into a generic action movie with not really great action. They do not, the people who wrote the script or the guy who wrote the script, it was just one guy, Did not exploit the premise of his movie. He did not think through all of the cool things that people could do if they were, if they kept on being reborn. So it is a poor man's Christopher Nolan movie. Because whereas Christopher Nolan in Inception exploited the hell out of his concept, this guy absolutely did not. And it could have been anything at the start of the movie uh, because it just became chases and, and fights Kung-fu fights and gunfights after that. And it's like, mm-hmm. it didn't matter. Your, your concept didn't matter anymore because you didn't do anything with it. And you should have. Because I liked the concept and it could have been interesting and it could have been awesome, but it wasn't. Um, that said, for a uh, generic action movie, I'd give it three out of five stars. It's got some decent action. Uh, Mark Wahlberg does, you know, he does all right for a Mark Wahlberg performance. He's done, usually he does much better than this. But I like Mark Wahlberg. Uh, And most of the time he turns in solid performances. Um, He gets cast in a lot of bad movies, but then again, he gets cast in a lot of great movies too. Uh, And he turns in solid performances most of the time.
1: Yeah, what's not to like?
0: So yeah, that's my that's my go see. Uh, you know, Infinity. It's on various streaming services now. So if you have a, a subscription to a streaming service that it's on, and you're looking for an action movie, it's it's good to watch if you haven't seen it. Um, and uh, it's fun. Just not as good as it could have been if they had exploited the premise then it could have been legitimately great because it would have held your interest with something more than just action um I don't sneer at action obviously I'm an action movie junkie everybody knows this but uh man it could have been so much better
1: well all right, that's par for the course in Hollywood these days what uh we should move on. What else is going on? Let's do Shadowrun. Shatter Shadowrun. Shatter Not Sixth any Sixth edition. Oh! That wasn't a good sound for those of you keeping score at home. <laughs> um. So we've had an experience with Shadowrun. Sixth edition. Uh... Man, well, we're gonna we're gonna play some more, but uh, we got together and we looked at the book, nice PDF, and made some characters and tried out some of the rules, and wow, I don't know where to start.
0: Um, well, let me start by complaining. <laughs> <laughs> this book is terribly written. And uh, just organized so badly. Oh, let me tell you how badly. Uh, RGM, we both play in the same Friday night role-playing group. And we just, this the first week we actually played Shatteron. Uh, and it was basically just get a rundown of the rules so we can start learning the system. Everybody in this group is brand new to Shatter Run 6th Edition. So we went and uh, we're just doing kind of a combat thing sort of Stuffer Shack. Like it was a replacement for Stuffer Shack from 1st Edition Shatter Run or Food Fight. I think that was called the kind of sample fight in the back of that uh, the first rulebook. Um We were sent into a warehouse to pick up the MacGuffin and have a fight, and that was it. So our game master in preparation for this tried to run through and set up a uh, flow chart for combat just so he knew how combat would run. And what he found was... He put page references for all the steps in combat. And the page references went like, the first step of combat is on page 109, the second step of combat is on page 104, the third step of combat is on page 102, and so on and so forth. It is horribly organized just absolutely, terribly organized, and it has rules that absolutely need to be next to each other. Uh, One rule is on page 260, and the rule it needs to be referring to is on 40. And it's ubiquitous throughout the book. Everything is just crazy. Uh, so not only is it badly organized, it is badly written. Um, oh, in the that, writing. Oh, in that they will suddenly realize that they need to make some fine distinction between different things. And they will introduce an awkward term that is some technical definition that is never used before or after and only is used in this one case. And they don't explain what it means in this one case. So it's a bit of ephemeral jargon that is never quite explained that is also using other pieces of jargon so that it is really confusing. So their attempt to clarify instead makes things confusing, and it just would have been better to not even try to do that to have written it some other way. Um. They just don't know how to write things clearly. And you can kind of get into the headspace to see what they were trying to say. At least most of the time, maybe. But they shouldn't have done it that way. They just,
1: oh, my word. Awful. Just awfully mess from start to finish. Just in case you want to know who to blame Catalyst Game Labs, just laying it out there. It's an awful, awful written book. I mean, for the reasons that you mentioned, that it's not organized. So uh, if you're trying to learn the game, it isn't presented in a way that really lets you understand how to play. There are some sections that attempt to do that. For example, the book more or less opens up with their their universal task resolution system, which is to roll a pile of dice and count the fives and sixes. But the whole book isn't written to teach you how to play. It fails as a how-to guide. It fails as a manual because of those organizational problems. Nobody sat down and said, okay, let's codify, like, this is is exactly how the game works. It's in there. The information, well, most of the information's in there. Absolutely failure. And one thing that I'll mention is it completely fails as a piece of entertainment. The writing, the actual words are terrible. Not only are the is the technical writing poor lots of unsaid assumptions lots of exceptions lots of things that just plain don't make sense if you try to learn how to play this game or you just try to learn how to make a character character creation is the worst part of the book in my opinion you're going to be spending time on reddit or other forums looking for answers you're going to need the errata it fails as entertainment because the writing is this in an attempt to make it sound like someone from the dark future showing you the ropes, telling you what it's like. They've cut out all the jargon that was in old Shadowrun books. I don't think the word chummer is used once. I'm not a fan of the word chummer, but it's Shadowrun, all right? And the the there's asides and faux explanations and and smart Alec comments as if it was written by some millennial who's raised only on Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Well that's probably the writers right there. It's hard to read. Uh, it's not entertaining, it's offensive. The the actual the 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 color writing all of the color, all of the fluff. Absolutely horrible. And it actively works against me trying to understand what the game is. Um, the book is a disaster. It's it's embarrassing, frankly. I wouldn't want my name on that book. I would want my name on, on oh, this is the first draft of our new game.
0: We're trying to play the game rules as written. Um, that that was my requirement when people said, you know, uh, our game master said, hey, I, I bought a copy of Shatteron Sixth World because we were kind of interested in playing Shatteron. Um, and uh, he had a copy also of... Uh, Uh, A book of adventures for Shadowrun Sixth World, so we could run through those. And I was like, well, my, you know, my requirement is that we run it rules as written so I can find out what the system is actually like, that we not house rule it uh, out of the game. And so, because I want to see how the rules really run as best as we can figure them out. Um, And the game is just, really strange in a lot of ways. Um, uh, And it may play just fine, but conceptually it's really weird. Uh, And I'm just going to give one example because I do want to get to uh, the AD&T thing. We want to talk about it. It's a thing, but armor doesn't protect you at all.
1: Um no, it's it's tied into their new weird mechanic. They insisted on in inventing a whole new game mechanic. And that's what armor ties into.
0: And it's just for this edition. It's never been a, a part of any previous edition. Um Which, to me, just screams like they're trying to show us how clever they are. Um, Like the game designers got an attack of the clevers. They got an attack of the good idea fairy. Um,
1: Solving problems, imagine problems that don't really exist.
0: I just, I don't think Catalyst Game Labs game designers are good enough to be trying to do something that completely revolutionizes Shadowrun, or is a completely new game mechanic, uh, or at least to me, it's a completely novel game mechanic. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's... Uh, basically, am. the entire core of the game is a luck mechanic. Um, and they present it as... It's called edge. Because it represents you having the edge, or the enemies having the edge, in a conflict. So, when you start... An attack you compare your weapons damage rating is that right
1: that's uh attack rating
0: attack rating to your armor rating and if it is four points higher either way then that character so if your attack rating is four points higher or your armor rating is four points higher, then the character who is higher gets a point of edge. You also have an edge attribute that gives you a certain number of edge points to spend. Um, And there are rules on how much edge you can spend and, and things like that. There are various effects you can just buy that affect dice rolls, or there are special uh, enhancements to actions that you can buy. One of their problem was they called these edge actions instead of like action enhancements because they're not actions individually. They're not actions. They called them actions. They're actually enhancements to other actions that you take. So that's one of those things where they ran into problems trying to distinguish between actual actions and things that aren't actions, but they call them actions because they're bad at writing. Um, And I'm not saying it's a bad idea in concept because what you're really trying to do is you're trying to harvest edge from various things that you attempt in order to get up a big pool of edge so that when the big bad guy, when you're fighting him, you can spend edge to really make a big attack. So you beat up on mooks who are called grunts. Is that right? Grunts. Grunts. Uh, but they're mooks from Savage Worlds. I'm not saying they stole it from Savage Worlds, but it's kind of the same idea. Um, And even if they did steal it from Savage Worlds, that isn't necessarily bad. Um, You get edge if your armor rating is higher than the attack rating. The problem is, that's all that armor does for you. Is it gives you edge that you may or may not even spend on this. defense. It literally does nothing else for you. There is no other effect of armor. Now, yesterday, literally yesterday, which we didn't know about last night, they published a book called 6th Edition Shadowrun Companion, which has a bunch of stuff in it, alternate character creation methods, but apparently it has optional rules, uh, including one for armor. And one of the reviewers on Drive-Thru RPG said, yes, it solves the armor problem. I'm like, well, I don't know about that. But the game came out in 2020, and it took them two years to come out with a book that supposedly solves this. My main problem with this is conceptually. It makes no sense conceptually. That is, it doesn't... Armor doesn't do in the game mechanics what armor does in the real world. And that induces some cognitive dissonance in me. It makes it hard for me to roll with the mechanics. People say, oh, AD&D armor is bad or D&D armor is bad because it makes you harder to hit. It doesn't absorb damage. Um, Armor does make you harder to hit. Uh, In addition to absorbing damage, the fact that AD&D only makes you harder to hit, I can roll with that. That's okay. Because at least it's doing, you know, It works. It's doing some of what armor actually does in the real world, and I can live with that. Um, Some armor in some games only absorbs damage, even though armor should make you a little bit harder to hit. I can roll with that, too. Um, Because armor is working like armor actually works in the mechanics. The mechanics work like the real thing in the real world kind of works. I'm okay with that, but armor that doesn't do what armor actually does that instead gives you kind of your luck point. Is just not. It doesn't work at all like armor really works and that induces cognitive dissonance which kind of puts me a little bit out of the game. um. So. I, uh, I'm i not saying our game master should house rule that because we haven't played but once, and I really want to play it rules as written in the core book long enough to learn the system so I find out how it plays and, and what Edge does and things like that. I want to know what the system works like. Um. But, yeah, that, that's something that I find worrisome. Uh, and in my own game design, I tried to make mechanics that are concrete. Not that are realistic necessary, that perfectly model reality, but that are concrete. That you can use the mechanics and they feel like what things would work like in the real world. If you run really far and fast, you get tired, and there's a mechanic for fatigue that reflects that. Um, You know, if you get hurt with a wound, you uh, start taking damage, physical damage, and there's a rule for that. Um, And you have skills. In different areas, and you're better and worse at those. You have attributes in different areas. You're better than worse than those, and you're going to say, "Yes, role-playing games have always done that. Yes, they have." And those are concrete mechanics, and those are good. Um, and you going to say, "Well, what about classes? Well, classes are basically um, they're basically an implicit bundle of skills that are all baked into the class, uh, or if you like." abilities um abilities are a, a unstated group of skills or skills are a different way to manifest abilities um you know the fighter has a fighting ability the magic user has spell casting ability cleric has spell casting ability and the ability to turn on death. skills are just a different way to do abilities so Classes have abilities. Skills uh, have abilities. They just manifest in different ways. Same thing. Um, But they're concrete. They're ways to make things concrete. People have different abilities at fighting. So that's reflected in different levels of fighter. People have different abilities in, you know, Casting spells, they know different spells, and they they know, uh, you know, they're better at, at spells, magic missile gets better to you go up in levels. So you have different abilities in the same spell. That's all concrete mechanics. The mechanics that work, even if they're imaginary, because nobody in the real world can cast magic missile, even if they're imaginary, you can see how they work. They feel like real world abilities. So, this Shadow in addition, not having concrete mechanics in some areas, and I'm not saying the entire game is like that, but that's pretty critical, is armor. That's a pretty critical area to have be just...
1: Yeah, it's it's a good example of a uh, uh, rule changer and abstraction to the detriment of the game. It's, they, they fixed a problem that wasn't there. They they yeah. tried to simplify something that didn't need to be simplified and made it worse. It's just awful. Um,
0: so like I said, I love Shadowrun. I don't know if I've said that before on this show, but I love Shadowrun. Um, Shadowrun is probably my second favorite game and I knew first and second edition inside out. I had all the books for first edition. I had nearly all the books for second edition. Um, and I just played the hell out of those games. Uh, so there were only four systems that I knew from top to bottom, left to right, uh, inside and out completely. and. Uh, there were Torg, third edition D and D, Shadow and second edition Shadow and first edition, um, and it's been a long time since I've played, uh, or ran, or deeply read on any of those four. So, uh, unfortunately, I'm not quite the master of those I used to be. I'd have to get back up to speed with those. But yeah. Shatterin was second on my list of favorite systems. Um, Shatterin second edition was just perfectly organized. It's the only game book I've sat down at. When you're reading it or using it at the table, it just felt perfect. It felt like everything you needed was exactly where it was supposed to be. I've never had that experience with any other rule book I've ever used. Um but yeah, it, it, I want to find out how it feels in play and how it acts in play, but it just was not. Um, and I'm not saying that's a bad rule that won't work at the table in play. I'm saying that it is a complete negation of what armor should be.
1: Well said. Hey, DW, we're closing in on out of time for today. Do you want to talk about uh, a D and D or do you want to save that for another time?
0: No, I'll talk about it. Uh, cause we usually are like 15 minutes over anyway. Um, <laughs> I'll just have to fit this into 15 minutes. So I got kidnapped this week. I'm playing in the Trilopolis game. I don't know if I've mentioned that on the air before. Um, and I've been doing it for two months now, or almost two months. Um, I've got my own little group of four characters that I, I kept on having to make new characters because uh, one-to-one time meant my guys were uh, had gotten into the future because of travel or training. Um, and I started having some ideas for some stuff based on some comments people were saying and just some in- independent ideas I had and finally uh i got bothered enough that i uh put these ideas together and i thought to myself man i'm working on uh the secret job and i'm working on the thing and i just uh, i don't have time to do anything else uh-huh. um but what I'll do is I'll just take these ideas and I'll give them to Jeffro and Brian and see if they want to, uh, you know, to add this into Trilopolis and run it. Because it was ideas for a expansion of the Trilopolis setting. So uh, I talked to Jeffro and Brian before last week's game. Um, and then... They uh, they heard the ideas. They liked the ideas. They uh, seeded in the first of uh, the rumors that started up the ideas, which was um, an earthquake that was in Trelopolis and minus mandoff was really mild, and then during the week after, uh, on Tuesday, it. All of a sudden, the discussion turned from I started a little DM group, direct message group uh, on Twitter so we could talk about these things. And I could give them more information about the setting just to bring them up to speed. And it changed from because I don't think they got this. I, I think they misunderstood from the beginning. It changed from hey, here's a nice setting that I thought you guys might want to run if the players are interested. See, that's the thing. Trilopolis is complete player autonomy, which I'm cool with. Uh, players can go anywhere they want uh, within travel time. And I didn't want you know, to change that. I don't want to come into a campaign and change that. So I didn't want to write up a bunch of stuff if uh, players weren't going to be interested in going there. So they uh, they wrote, uh, I wrote this up, and then it it changed from me making a expansion to the setting to them assuming I was going to run it.
1: <laughs> and I was sucker. Uh,
0: and I was like, guys, I don't know the AD&D system anymore. The last time I really looked at the AD&D system was in nineteen ninety. And I used to know the ADN system, ADD system fairly well. Not as thoroughly as the four systems I just mentioned, but it was, you know, right behind them. And like, oh no, no, no. No, you'll do fine. We'll we'll be here. And you know, if you don't mind some interruptions and stuff, we'll uh we'll uh we'll do the rules so you can do that fine. And I was like, um, okay. And then the very next day. It changed from, you know, Daddy Warpig might be running this someday, too. Oh, yeah, on Thursday, Daddy Warpig is going to be running this new <laughs> stuff. And uh, and then Brian was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to roll up a new first-level character. I am so sick of Game Master. and I really need a big brain. From game mastering, it's gonna be so great for daddy warpig to run something, and I'm like, nah, I'm here. <laughs> so I got a, I got hijacked into running a game Thursday night, and it went great. I had a lot of fun, the players had a lot of fun, and uh. I actually put some more work into the setting so they didn't trot all over the rights of one of the patron players. Um, it introduces two new patrons to the campaign world, which we don't have players for currently. So we're looking to get players for the two patrons. Um, and... I'm going to talk about running the module real quick. Um it is a pirate setting. The main city is a pirate haven on this large island. It's about 400 miles long by 270 miles wide. Um the island had been concealed by an illusion, which made it completely invisible, and uh, it also had storms. Once you got past the illusion, storms would spring up and uh, wash ships into shore where they would crash on the rocks. For those of you who played video games, if you think about the first Tomb Raider, the first of the new Tomb Raiders, um, Where she's on that island where a bunch of ships were shipwrecked on the shores because of storms that washed them ashore, it was like that. Um, Although the island itself is completely different. Um, This island is an aircraft carrier, Bradford Walker says. I don't get it. I don't either. Um, But... Oh, that's a reference to the movie, uh, the Philadelphia Project, Philadelphia Experiment. Um, But uh, they there was a massive earthquake a couple of weeks ago and the illusion failed and the storms have begun dissipating so uh i originally had it that some tharks and there is in the Trilopolis campaign to the north a settlement of tharks was gonna uh offer opportunities for adventurers to go to the island to recover an artifact that had been stolen by natives of the island um but i was told that that was uh kind of trotting on the toes of the thark patron, and I would have to talk to the Thark patron, so I came back and said, well, what about this? What if instead of the Tharks, I use uh, Red Martians? Same books, different race. Um, So they're like, yeah, okay, that works. So the people who are living in this island, the exact center of this big, massive volcano, their city was on, uh, or it was a big, massive, um, inactive volcano. Their city was high up on the shoulder of this mountain. And when the earthquake happened, the volcano went active. And the path that the Red Martians usually use to get back to their city is now blocked off. So, They were hiring adventurers to go pathfind a new path to get back up to the city, to their city. And then there were some weebs. In this AD&D campaign, the weebs are where you can play all the oriental adventurers classes from. Um mm-hmm. they are not um, Asian phenotype they are literally weebs they are westerners who are obsessed with japanese and chinese culture and pretend that they're you know, ninjas and samurai and Wu Jen and, and such. So they hail from the Weeb Empire. Um, and I think this is my con- contribution because we hadn't mentioned this before, but they speak Weebanese. <laughs> um, and. Uh, they, uh, a large fleet of theirs had been blown onto the rocks um, that was sailing to Trelopolis, actually. So some of their ships got out um, and started setting up a, a port city uh, on the Trelopolis continent, and they were also hiring adventurers. Um, The Red Martians did an interview with adventurers just to see who was acceptable or not. They got on the ship, sailed three days to the island. On the island, they sailed into a pirate's refuge. The island, I'm going to read this because I keep on getting it wrong when I say it. The island's name is Bombrozilla. Bombrozilla? Yep. And the town they sailed into, the Pirate's Haven or Pirate Privateer Haven, is uh, called Fort. Gold Cherry. And it's run by a guy that they call the Master. Uh, And they found out later that the Master's name is Tom (laughs) Bombrozil. Now, all of you who don't know, Trellant List is... A Gonzo setting with a high level of memory in it. So the large dwarf kingdom is known as Broldor. Because the bro runs it. So I want you to remember as I'm describing this to you that I specifically designed this to fit in with the level of memory in the campaign. And I've worked really hard to up my meme game to match with the level of memory in the rest of the game. Like the cavemen uh, in their various caves were brought together under one tribal leader, and it's known as the United Caveman Federation. Um... Trollopolis itself is a big evil city named after the Trollops that live there. And uh, they literally had Elric was the prince of Trollopolis. He was in charge of the city, and he had a giant black storm uh, sword called Stormbringer. Um, and so on and so forth. So the pirate city and the weeb city on the island hate each other and they fight a lot. Um, and I'm just going to let that one sit for a bit. The mm-hmm. master, they, uh went to meet with him because they wanted to talk to him about the city and and really see if he had any jobs for them. Because the job they have to do for the Martians is really big. And it would take a long time, probably. And it's very, very dangerous. Um, They talked to sailors on the journey and found out there's all kinds of monsters here. uh, And rumored to have uh, even giant monsters in the inlands of the island. Uh, they don't know if these stories are true because they're sailors, and sailors are well known for fish tales. Um, they have a uh, went talk to the master, and the master is apparently a bard of some renown um, and his wife is called gold cherry, and uh, that's who the fort is named after. Fort Gold Cherry is the name of the pirate's haven. And he comes out, and they found out that the master ships, ships that are directly affiliated with the master, or controlled by the master, fly a pirate's flag, black with a skull on it and crossbones. The other ships in the uh, golden archipelago, there's just one island in a vast archipelago with lots of gold in it. They mine the gold out, but there are three nations Mining gold here, the Weeb Empire, uh, Hengia, and Asperia. Uh, and they uh, empower a lot of privateers to raid merchants of the other nations. They fly their own flags. Only the master ships fly the skull and crossbones. So the master at this dinner is going to, he does this once a year on... Gold Cherry's birthday, he comes out and he plays some new compositions for them. He came out and played on just these absolute contraptions. And I described this to the players. They didn't have any idea what was going on until he starts playing this weird lute that was turned sideways with a long neck and a rope or a cord coming out of one end and he picks up his arm and raises it really high and he's got a shark's tooth between his fingers and he starts playing heavy metal music on electric guitar <laughs> <laughs> he looks like Brian blessed with long oiled ringlets and you know a long oiled beard that's all in curls and he's wearing all black he's got big black boots and long loose black clothes and a big floppy black hat with a wide brim and um, every, and uh, one of the guys who was in the kitchen with the other bodyguards everybody else was sitting down to eat and he went into the kitchen with the bodyguards he was like oh your master seems like a really somber fellow and he's like no he just uh, he's in mourning uh, this island used to be the home of his people but his people uh, turned on each other and wiped each other out in a massive war he's the only one left he married the riverman's daughter, a uh, river spirit, and that's gold cherry. Um, and of course, before, uh, he's ancient. He, he's lived for over 5,000 years, and he used to wear bright, bright clothing, but now he dresses all in black as a sign of mourning for his people, yada, yada, yada. And when he came out, he, you know, his face was all painted up in a skull. Because he's the master. And that's his flag. So I'm making the setting to fit in with the rest of the Trilopolis. Because I, uh, I wanted to make it as meany as everything else. Um, I get a job from the master after going around town a bit and picking up some supplies and stuff. Um, and he says, yes, I've got a job for you. He hires them there was a group of pirates who decided they didn't want to do piratery anymore. So they um, ran off into the forest, found a small tribe of natives on this island. Uh, the only civilized part of this island is a peninsula on the northwestern corner of the island that's blocked off from the rest of the island by a giant stone gate. Um, and this giant stone, uh, inside this, you know, giant stone gate are, uh, the semi-civilized natives, the weeb city and the pirate haven. Um, but these bandits, these pirates turned to banditry. And what they did was they found a small tribe of natives. They went there, they killed all the men, they killed all the children, they took Uh, The 11 most attractive women as wives, and then they killed all the rest of the women. Um, And then they turned to banditry and cannibalism. So they are supposed to go out, and these cannibals have been judged guilty by the master violating the laws of the island. And uh, he wanted the party to go and carry out the sentence. so they went out and succeeded in not doing anything stupid enough to wake up the pirates. They didn't light bright, you know, lanterns or torches. They didn't make a lot of noise sneaking up. So they got complete surprise on the pirates. Um, and I rolled for how many segments they got of surprise, and they ro- I rolled three. So they got three free segments of Surprise, and in each segment, you get three times uh, your normal number of ranged attacks in AD&D. And since you get to make uh, two bow attacks per round, um, they were shooting six arrows at uh you know basically level zero pirates <laughs> so they pin did everything pen cushions there was one person who wasn't killed by the end of surprise and she dropped down out of the tree and uh used uh and started running and then they uh they shot her she died <laughs> And they had all filed their teeth down. They found a pitiful amount of treasure, uh, because this wasn't their main camp. This was just a place where they had hung hammocks up in the trees to uh, to sleep in, and uh, uh, they also found a treasure map. Uh, map of the area with a line on it and an X marking the spot. Nice. Um. And so they went back, they got paid for the information, they brought the master about what the Red Martians were doing, and uh, they kept the treasure map to go out sometime, and they got paid enough gold for pretty much everyone to level up.
1: Sounds like a proper and, adventure.
0: So they n- next time, uh, next week, we're going to be playing with different characters and maybe indeed playing in a different place. Um, so it is, uh, it was basically, uh, getting them to the island because they all chose it. And I, I stopped a couple of times and said, "Now you got to remember, this is not a module. Um, just because the red Martians paid you, you know, a hundred gold pieces per level, uh, earnest money you Don't have to do what they want, they hired over a hundred different adventurers and hauled them on the galley into the island. Um, if you want to go pirating, you can join a crew or try to buy a ship and hire a crew and go pirating in the rest of the gold archipelago, go shooting, you know, at other ships and steal gold, or you can head off into the inner part of the island past the gate and uh go. You know, searching for treasure. There are runes of the ancients. These are uh, Tom Bomb Brazil's people um, that are all dead for several millennia. You can hell off into the end of the inside of the island and go looking through their runes for treasure um, or magical artifacts or whatever. Um, you can do whatever you want here. This is not yeah, a open, module.
1: Uh, open, open world. Do as they choose.
0: Right. Um,
1: Player driven actions.
0: Player driven actions. So um, they loved it. Yeah. Um,
1: it that was their idea
0: to go looking for a job. And so, you know, I wasn't expecting it. So I came up with a job for them to do um, off the top of my head. But it was, you know, this is a tropical island, South Seas Pirates Adventure, so being sent to hunt down a pack of cannibals, perfectly in the milieu. Um, There are no demi-humans that live in the Golden Archipelago. There are no elves or dwarves or gnomes or halflings or anything. It's all humans other than whatever, you know, weeby races have come over on the ships. But I got the word from, Game Masters uh, a couple months ago that the Weeby races stay back in the Weeb Empire, generally speaking. so, um, And I'm not saying they couldn't bring demi-humans from the Troopolis continent. There just aren't demi-humans native to um, Got it. the islands. So, so that's yeah, it. it. Was,
1: how easy was it to incorporate a new DM and a new setting to an existing campaign?
0: I had done all the work to make it easy to incorporate. Um, I tried to make sure that the feel was meaning enough that even though it's a completely different style or field of campaign. I mean, it, it literally is a pirate themed area. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all the, all the crewmen are wearing those baggy shirts and loose pants and, you know, do racks. <laughs> um, uh, the fine people dressing up to go into the ball were wearing, uh, you know, the, shirts and pants that you would see in pirates of the caribbean and the tricorn hats and everything um and the women were dressed in the big petticoats um but they were all all of the quote unquote nobles in the town were um pirate captains or commodores of their own you know small fleets um There were two parts of the town. One is uh, the Swamp Town, which is the very first settlement made there was um, built out on the swamps to protect people from the – uh this is about 150 years ago – built to protect the shipwrecked sailors from the uh, creatures on the land. So they would take their ships – and use the masts and build platforms around the masts um, you can think of it kind of like the ewok village where they would have platforms and then paths between the platforms and then build uh, shelters on top of the platforms and that's called swamp town and then when uh, the master discovered them uh, he started you know helping clear out the monsters and and having them group up and clear out the monsters uh and made part of the town on the ground so the only people who live in swamptown now are very poor people and the hardest kind of roughest and toughest uh captains and commanders who want to show that they are old school they haven't gone soft in uh in buildings with you know beds and sheets and Comforters. But you can buy just about anything in the town. Some things are really expensive. And you can sell just about anything in the town because it's privateer haven. That's what they do. They raid merchant ships and come to this town to sell it. Perfect and, home uh, base
1: for adventuring.
0: Yes. Um and now that the storms uh have passed, what what the master did for them was he gave them magic items. It's a doubloon, they hang around their throat. Uh, that keep the storms from wrecking their ships. They could sail through the storms to get to the pirate haven, uh, and it also provided them with a knowledge of the direction to the pirate haven. Um, and all the sailors on a ship warned, uh, warned them because it kept the storms from washing them overboard and, you know, hitting them with lightning and stuff. Um so yeah, it's uh, I did a lot to try and make it interesting. I did a lot to try and make it interesting to players. Um, and I did a lot to make it so that it's uh, they could bank their gold here and get training for most things here. There are no magicians or uh, things like that available yet for training. Um, there may be clerics around, but I haven't, uh, I haven't searched that out yet. Uh, one of the players had the gumption to ask the, um, master for training because he's a bard. He's an AD&D bard, which means he has fighter, uh, thief, and, uh, bard levels.
1: (laughs) I bet he's expensive.
0: Um... So I asked him what his uh, reaction roll adjustment was, and I made a roll for the master, and he got a really good result. So I said, yes, the master will agree to train you. And the other fighter said, will he train me? And I'm like, well, he's already training this guy, so he will also train you at the same time.
1: Wow. Lucky for them.
0: Yeah, apparently the master was really impressed by them, not just taking the job, but going out right then that very night and taking care of it. Without any muss and puffs.
1: They must have wanted to win at RPGs. <laughs> Do we have any questions in the chat? I, I think uh, we got an insightful comment. Megabuster Shepherd notes that Barsoom is what connects all the campaigns. It may be true. And <laughs> uh, now Trelopolis ain't the only one. Broasar's in m- multiple systems, multiple games. And there's lots of, lots of Martians around.
0: Oh yeah, the Tharks are—they're uh, in another campaign too. I don't think it's uh, Dubs are on, uh, but they're in another um, SR campaign.
1: Well, it's cool to watch. It's—it's it's really fun to. I love hearing about the stories. It's—it it, for me. I don't know. I don't know what our listeners really think, but for me, it's different. From hearing someone talk about their character or whatever loot they got or something like that, the stuff that's going on in this game—it's—it's uh, it's stuff I didn't know could happen in a and uh, D game, and it, I like it. So, Burning Sands, yeah, that one. That one. That was uh, that was a cool idea, but that one's on hiatus. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, the the desert themed.
0: Oh, kind oh, of kind of the Dark Sun-themed one. Or he yep. borrowed a lot from Dark Sun. That sounded so cool.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: Um, the uh, – I will say this. The first uh, three times I was describing the city and the dwellers in the city, um, I went to great lengths to never use the same words. Uh To describe pirates. Um, So I dropped like 12 different words to describe pirates um, that were all different. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody noticed, nobody cared, but I was like, ah, dang. That was a good workout, though. It's like pirates, uh, privateers, buccaneers, you know, thieves, cutthroats, (laughs) murderers,
1: salty dogs.
0: Yeah, it was it was fun though, uh <laughs> doing that. Uh by the way, for those of you who want some information, the city, the pirates haven has the same alignment as Thieves. So it's got uh any neutral alignment, chaotic neutral, lawful neutral, neutral good, neutral evil, uh, and true neutral, of course.
1: Cool. I don't have any questions. Chat doesn't have any questions uh, right. since, since we're way over. Thanks so much for, for sharing. I love hearing about that. Uh, my my Trollopolis adventures have simmered down a little bit. I've I've been deep into figuring out the rule systems for running a domain. It's uh, it's pretty fun, uh, but no crazy adventures yet. Um, I really appreciate taking the time today. It was great to chat about just stuff. Um, Love having everyone in chat. It was great to see everybody live. I uh, hope everybody listening later uh, enjoys the chat and uh, and go see some of the garbage we've been seeing lately. Some of it's worth it. Uh, but I'll sign off for today, Daddy Warpig. Have a great week.
0: Yeah, and and uh, remember with the movies, uh, I would give a recommend both for the Batman and for uh, Infinity. Infinity just kind of a weak recommend, but still. Uh, you know, it's a streaming action movie and it's probably appropriate for a streaming action movie. It's not, it didn't deserve a big success in the theaters, but it's all right. It's about on par with the other streaming action movies you've probably seen. Um, thanks everybody for coming and listening live and participating in the chat. Again, chat was jumping today. Thanks everybody who will turn in and listen later. Um, we are here just about every week 2 p.m eastern uh which is also 11 a.m pacific you can catch us on youtube.com slash geek gab that is youtube.com slash geek gab uh or we are available on uh on youtube it's uh it is here until they kick us off the site um (laughs) In fact, all of our shows are available here. This is episode 276, so you can catch the previous 275 episodes uh, anytime you please. We are also available on the Google Play Store, on the Apple iTunes Store, and on SoundCloud.com. Listen on the device of your choice or just uh, grab us on the web. We are signing off today. Don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.